Blog Talk Radio. Priestess and the Cauldron, a podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Whoa. And it's Friday. (laughs) It is Friday. Thank goodness it's Friday. We're not, you know, yeah. out here they they have the, I guess today they brought out Plissini, the younger brew, I guess, that they, op- they oh, uh, yeah, yeah. put out their new brew. Yeah. Uh, two weeks. That's oh, great. okay, in two weeks. Okay, so they're really into the big thing, and so I'm thinking Friday, I'm sure everyone, we're going to be all checking that out if we drink or want to go out, but. We're on we're on a radio yeah, show. There's, we can't all, do there's that. all kinds of lines outside that brew pub when the Pliny, the younger, gets out, and I don't yeah. get it, but it's fine if that's your thing, man. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. So yeah, so it's been um, it's been interesting, you know. I mean, the, what we were live to was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we had a malfunction on our radio show one, one week. I know that we lost yep. ourselves yep. and then we start emo. We run yes, last week. And so here we are live after several weeks of other things. So what have you been doing right. with yourself during this time? Yeah, it's been um, a very busy couple of weeks and, well, and it will continue to be because next week is PantheaCon. So everything, basically from New Year's Day until PantheaCon, I'm prepping for PantheaCon. But this is the last year it's ha- happening. So this will be the last madness of the in-book season that I go through. But uh, I went to the Tucson Gem Show. Ooh. And that was pretty amazing and epic. And it's, you know, it's a 14-hour drive from here, so it was a 14-hour drive. <laughs> and then two two days of madness and gemstones and shopping and all kinds of stuff, and then a 14-hour drive to get back. And I'm still, we just got back on Monday, so I've been 
slowly uh, bringing in all the beautiful new things that we got and um, rearranging things in the store so all the beautiful new things that we got will fit. (laughs) Uh, And still not everything is put away. So so that's been it. Like really it's just been kind of a focus on – on getting to that moment of being in Tucson and now getting to Pantheacon. And then after that, it's kind of like, just get to float for a little while. <laughs> so Until I'm just, your first week uh, camp. And then I know you're going to be all yeah. a tither because that happens. Yeah. But, summer uh-huh. will be real busy, but, it, but I've got, you know, from, from February till June for things to be not so ah. busy. Well, that's Probably good. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, how are you? And, well, you know, um, two weeks. Uh, it's been it's been changing. You know, I mean, coming back here after being in, in Arkansas for the holidays and all that, it's been different. You know, for me, it's not the same reentry as I've had before, which has been disconcerting. Of course. Last Sunday, I never watched football after Matt died, and I, you know, because he was a football fanatic and especially 49ers, I stopped because it wasn't something, you know, I know football, and when I was in college, USC, of course I watched the the Trojans, I mean, that's college, but, you know, after that, it became a lightly unimportant unless, you know, I had somebody who really wanted it, but I did the the ultimate is... um, I sat and watched the Super Bowl. But the funny part was is I tried to find people to watch it with. Because you know watching that kind of thing is always more exciting when you have a group of people because everybody either is gang or nang or people are, you know, divided and, you know, there's a lot. of. But it was just me and the dogs. And so, of course, it was a little yeah. bit quieter. But um, it was it was interesting. I was excited when they did their things and sad when they, you know, missed out on stuff and uh, was kind of like, okay, I'll, you know, watch the halftime and, you know, everyone got, I just said, you just saw a lot of booty being shook, you know, and uh, was it J-Lo bending, bending over and the only thing that didn't show her vagina was a large strip of cloth that was sort of like part of her outfit. And I'm like, you know, I was a little bit like, oh, really? But you look back on different things. I think they've sh- sort of brought out Cher and some of the things she did in her shows. And, you know, of course, Janet Jackson and her malfunction. And I just think, you know, it really doesn't matter. It's what's, That's the time they sell the Super Bowl. That's the time they sell the commercials. So that's what makes that right. available is, you know, that dynamic. So I wasn't incensed. I was just like looking at it going, oh, really? Okay, fine. You know, I wasn't, but I just found it really funny because I was just watching this going, okay, fine. Um, yeah. I, you know, let's get back to football. I want to see, you know, more that I want to see who's going to kill who kind of a thing, you know, like some more in the gladiatorship <laughs> and the other stuff. But, you know, if I get down to it. So. But that was, that's been my two weeks, you know. It's just, it's been floating. And I guess in some strange ways it's good because there's things that I've been dealing with. And I did start a class with you, you know, a little beauty way. Yeah. Um, was really wonderful and has had some interesting things coming up even from just the other day. And I really am glad that I had that 
decision and I followed through because I haven't done anything that, that in a long time. So, um, but that's interesting, you know, it's like, oh, okay. And I have to do a plug. You're a very good teacher. And I was very, you know, well, uh, you. at ease and felt really good about that. So, um, yeah, so that's been it. That's where we're at. And um, technically, we have to address this. We are doing this at 6 o'clock, which is our old time. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were some scheduling problems that were not addressed that we oopsied on to start really on our 1 o'clock new schedule in the afternoon Pacific Coast time. But that will be remedied yes. next week. So that will That's right. That, but yeah. So just have to let people know this was a, a crack in time or a wrinkle in time, if we want to call it. That's right. That's right. It's all. It, it, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. It'll all make sense in a couple of weeks. That's it. There you go. There you go. So yeah. pretty much that's it. And I, I just, you know, I think that we've addressed that because I know we talked about that and, yeah. and we're fine. <clears throat> yeah, but, but anyway. we have something exciting starting tonight because we're doing a new series that we're kicking off tonight where we're going to explore the major arcana so i'm pretty stoked about that although the th- that won't be every week because we have a few other programs that we'll be scattering in throughout the next few weeks but the goal is to start tonight at the beginning of the major arcana with the zero card and go all the way through uh to the world card so we're gonna s- begin this new series tonight and it's gonna be super fun oh yes Oh, yes, and, you know, we're obviously excited about that. Um, And on that note, just to bring back from one of our shows we did before the first of the year, um, we did a Wheel of the Year uh, Tarot reading, and uh, we didn't get to share our January because part of it we weren't here, and then, of course, we had other things happening. Um. And then, of course, this month, and we're going to try and go through each one of them at, you know, whatever show we are, just to keep the flow of whatever's happening in that month that we talked about and pulled cards on. And uh, really quickly, we did January, which was the uh, Two of Pentacles and the Moon. And um, I know you, I took notes, and I that's what I'm cheat sheeting off of. <laughs> So, yeah, because um, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if people really want to get everything, they can go back to that podcast and listen. But it was annotated. It was um, secrets revealed. Uh, we kind of touched on on uh, Trump and things coming up and it being a little scary with the stock market, but that a lot of the finances and dynamics that were going into what was started uncovering. Uh, the circumstances around President Trump and obviously the impeachment and all that was going on was also having, um, was a juggling act, you know, the two pentacles and then, of course, the moon is, you know, nothing being really clear at all being fuzzy, but still things coming out. Did you want to add anything Mm -hmm. in terms of that particular process? No, I mean, I think that kind of shows, uh, if we look politically anyway, that does kind of show how things have been going, like the with the uh-huh. investigation on the president and the impeachment trial and all of that. Like, it's all a big fucking mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, right. yeah, so there we were. We, we kind of caught the wave. Um, and, of course, for February, we wound up pulling, which was the second house, as we were doing kind of an astrological wheel concept. It was the Seven of Wands and the Eight of Pentacles, which <clears throat> is actually, you know, the, that things were stuck and, you know, things were bogged down and uh, self-confidence was kind of um, iffy. Um, there was a lot of, you know, fighting um, over who's right, who's wrong, you know, and a lot of mm-hmm. um, community issues coming, you know, the, the concepts of community and things going, you know, kind of off kilter. And so I mean, that kind of takes us into the, the February. So we're partly into February. So we'll see how it plays out um, yeah. in terms of that. So just to throw that in before we jump into the major arcana. So um, Yeah. Yeah. So there we are and, and I think let's go with whenever you use the word the fool, people kinda of go, huh? Mm. Huh? Right. You know, but right. it's got a a series of, of shadings, but it is this, the card that they use is zero. So I'm gonna let you sort of jump into like part of the history of what Tarot and, you know, especially the major arcana yeah. cards and how this is. I think you, you and I discussed this and I think you have a really clear picture on how to move forward that. Yeah. So the, ter- the thing about the Tarot or Tarot, either way, it's, there's, it's, there's no right way to pronounce it, pronounce it however you want, except don't say Tarot because that just bothers me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, it, it originated as a game and it's become a divination system but it, it originated as a game and there are actually folks who still you can find how to play the game the old-fashioned version of the game online it's it's a it's kind of complicated and all the different um trump cards which I, i'll explain really quick here in a second is a. Uh, they have special functions, so it's a very complicated game. But uh, I, it's unclear when it transitioned from this game into a system of divination. But it happened at some point, and there are many mm-hmm. people who argue about whether it was in Spain or Italy or France. And you know, of course, all these different places want to take credit for it originating there. But one of the oldest decks is Tarot of the Marseille, and that comes from France. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in that deck, in that version of it, the fool, which we're talking about tonight, was called Lamont, which means uh, the beggar or the ma- madman. Uh, and in many of these early old-fashioned decks, there was no number on this card. So all of the other, the tarot is like two separate decks. There's the minor arcana which is equal to our, our deck of playing cards now. And there's the major arcana, which is this more complicated trumping system where each card has a special job. And the mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. sort of interesting outlier in the trump cards is the fool because it didn't have a number. So it wasn't really sure what it, we're not really sure what its original job was. But the artwork was often someone who was really messy and sometimes nude and um, looked a little woebegone. And there was, there's lots of hidden 
or not so hidden symbology in all of the major arcana. And that has changed over the years too. And Mm-hmm. The most notable change is in the eighteen in the nineteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, with Rider Waite and Smith, who created what is known now as the Rider Waite Smith deck. But they used some OTO symbolism and Golden Dawn symbolism and a little Rosicrucian symbolism, and created what we are very familiar. Those of us who read tarot cards. That's the system most of us are using. All of the new beautiful artworks and all the new beautiful decks, most of them are based off the Rider-Waite-Smith deck. Um, uh-huh. And then that deck, the fool became the zero. He became the very first card um, where when he was unnumbered, he kind of could fit in anywhere. He didn't, uh-huh. he didn't start off the journey. He would just show up on the journey. Right, right. Yeah. And- so, and of course, with the different um, traditions, I mean, of course, you, you go back to um, the Arabic uh, aspects of numer- the numerology or the, n- the numbers, and zero was introduced. Right. So it it's sort of like a placeholder. And I understand, yeah. you know, a lot of the different versions from the OTO and the Golden Dawn, the Hermetic traditions, you know, there's all these different things that have brought into effect the meaning of this card and the the layers. So it's not just, you know, you pick the card up and you have certain things that it says it's about and, you know, but there's this other spiritual side, this other aspect. Um, and it's interesting, you know, when I learned, and I like listening to how you talk about the history and what you're talking about mm-hmm. in the game. Because, of course, there's the other side where it gets a little more mythological and, and, and dramatic. Like it, was a, it yeah. was a book. It was an actual book. And each one of the major uh, arcana was like a chapter. And it was a spiritual lesson and initiation. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of Egyptian mm-hmm. and going, you know, Sumerian. And then you kind of come through and go to the, you know, the Greek. And, the, the, and all these meanings kind of get put into it. Um, I I think it's because those are there, and when it came yeah. through, I think that's there were two ways somebody put it out. Whoever, however the group was that did it, is they put it out and it became a game, and yet there was this other part. And you know, we gravitate those of us that are you know readers tend to gravitate to that other part because that's what we're we're, we're pulling in in terms of. Um, the connection of, of higher spirit or however we want to talk about it. But, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually love the major arcana as a cycle of initiation. And that's, like you were saying, that's an old concept. And it's, uh, I think it's kind of been given some fresh energy recently in the last, you know, 10 or so years with this idea of following the major arcana as the, a journey of initiation as an individual, where we start uh-huh. out in the position of the fool, right? And uh-huh. and that we might want to, I probably won't go deeper into that because we're going to talk more about the if the fool shows up in a tarot reading and the, the meaning of the fool. But you can follow along and see the cycle of growth and learning and uh, balance and all of these things as you work through the major arcana. So it's pretty uh-huh. neat. 
Yeah, yeah. And and there's, as I say, there's layers. I when I learned the tarot and I got introduced to the tarot, I actually got introduced by a woman by the name of Patricia McLean, and she was at that time she was a part of a group called the Builders of the Adidum, and that basically was a it was an online thing, but it was Paul Foster Case was the one who did it, who who actually put Build of the Adam together, and and then from there he had his own. He got he, the Tarot deck, and the Tarot deck became uh, a lot of the Hermetic information. But she eventually went on to write a book called The Wheel of Destiny, which takes it into a journey, just like you're talking about, and it talks about different type of you know, like the divine spark is for each major arcana card she has different things like personality and this and you know talks about it as uh, a way to 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 see where you are or what is you know maybe the other person you're talking to but it's a journey and I mm-hmm. remember learning from her that way and out of that yeah. I kind of went on my own journey of what I wanted but it is a journey of initiation, and the fool is that which is the, I mean, what they talk about is the super consciousness, in air quotes, um, but it's the unformed, yeah. unmanifested process that then goes, and that's why it is in every one of the ones. It's actually, it's in between and part of each one of the, the major arcana cards as you go forward into the actual numbered yeah. cards. So, um it has a lot, <laughs> and, and when I get it, it's kind of like when, you know, something comes up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's got all this stuff. But, you know, again, there are concrete ways to read it when you're talking to, you know, a yep. person about what they're asking. But then there's this other side that I never try, I never fail to introduce. Let's just put it that way. I try to put the, yeah. I put two sides to it so that it's not just, well, what do I do with blah, blah, blah? And, you know, because there's another part of who you are, of why you want it or why it hasn't happened or, you know, all the things that is part of the problem-solving process. So, mm-hmm. but And that's why I like, you know, the fool is. And it's funny because I did take a picture and I put it on our website, yep. the, witch, uh, the Facebook yep. uh, page, actually, on the Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, and it shows all these different versions of what mm-hmm. the fool is and what yeah, people there's have. There's a lot, because there's a lot of decks, and we're not even talking oracle yeah. decks. We're just talking tarot decks and um, where the meanings go and how you modify the meanings when you start changing the, the artwork around. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, and that's fascinating too, because if you if you're into the the history of it, and you know, when you're a nerd about it, and I'm just a little bit of a nerd about it, it is interesting to look at really old decks and see the artwork, and then pull up a really modern version and look at the difference. And you can even like there there are some tarot aficionados out there who like could probably school me on detail around this subject but you mm-hmm. can go through time and see and see the subtle changes 
And it's interesting, the deck that we're reading now or that, you know, most people are familiar with now is vastly different from the deck even 50, 60, 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And how those mm-hmm. symbols have become, you know, mainstays of what a lot of modern readers use. So it just goes to show, you know, that we say a lot of folks can look at this as set in stone and these meanings only mean this and this card only means this. But all it takes is a slight adjustment to the artwork and it can change any, everything. And I find that fascinating, mm-hmm. too, because what I look at, I like to do uh, workshops with people who don't know about the traditional readings of tarot cards and, ha- and do some sort of tarot exercise. And that mm-hmm. way, the people who do read are, like, so freaked out about picking the right card with the right meaning. And the people who don't read are just looking at the art and being compelled to pick the right card based on what it looks like. And it's fascinating because mm-hmm. it is, it's very personal. What it, what I look at and see in that card, someone else might not see. And another thing I like to do is uh, sort of trance into the artwork or, or make the mm-hmm. frame bigger, what else is going on in the landscape. And that's a really fun thing to do with the fool because there is a lot going on in that picture. And if you could step into the landscape and communicate with the character and pet the dog and, you know, start to interact with some of the symbolism, it can take the meaning mm-hmm. a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. It's funny you would touch on that. Yeah. One of the things that Patricia had suggested for each of the cards when she started the, the level one is that you do just that. You take the card and you meditate on it and you, you enlarge it and you walk into it and then you become that particular um, character. And it's yeah. different when you're looking out versus when you're looking in, like you say, looking at the landscape from the viewer in, and then if you change and become yeah. the actual thing. And it, it, it was, it's really, in, I mean, intense. I, I, I think, you know, that's a real great way. But, again, that, you know, for somebody who wants to learn tarot as a tool to use or something, this is, this, I, you know, I personally started it that way to do it as a um, spiritual journey. And I think that that mm-hmm. was what I did most of the, the first few years of what I was involved with, you know, going to the classes or learning or whatever. But And, and you were saying right. the, uh, the drawings. It's funny because one of the things that um, – in reading, rereading, I should say, the different chapters in the Paul Foster case. I mean, he uses all the writer iconology to a degree. He will change yeah. it somewhat I, in in some of the things. But he was talking about, and this is where you get into the minutia of something like the the number of spheres on the belt and what it represents, and you know, in his way of it's the astrology it's the 12 zodiac signs mm-hmm. and then the wheels of the on the, the the floral and you know all these things and i mean you can and i get it and i went through the same kind of like oh yeah this is important and like you're talking about the ones who read and they go to the ones with the, the specific meanings but then it, it becomes i think i personally step back and go too much minutia what is the feel of the card? Yeah. And that's what the people yeah. who don't know the the tarot go with. What is the feel? So I think you need to balance both. But 
Um, yeah. Very fascinating. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, and then, of course, they've, um, there's what the, the um, I'm trying to remember, there's a book called The Royal Road, uh, which was written specifically as a, um, a journey by a, the, the writer actually takes the, the uh, tarot cards and it starts as a journey, and he is, goes along in the in the the cards as a journey. So he talking about what he feels, but then in terms of what he experiences, connecting with the individuals in the card, and you know all of that. It was it's a fascinating, yeah. and I think somebody even told me that there was a sequel to that because I never knew. I just had only read the mm. first one and thought that was all he did, and I found out he did more. So. But interesting. Yeah. So, but um, so, what? Where do you want to go? Do you want to talk a little bit more about the the, the background of the of the card and you know what what it has to say? I, I mean, I'm kind of letting you guide this one just so we get a feel of how we want to go for twenty one more cards. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm thinking maybe we take our break, and then when we come back, okay. we can dig into some of the specifics of the symbolism. Okay, sounds like a plan. So off we go. Yeah. So stay tuned and learn all about the secrets of the symbols. Aha. Okay. <laughs> I think our So you may our, have noticed uh, our commercial is is wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay it's right for us today though. I think that's kind of even yeah. humorous under <laughs> So well there you are. I will have to make mention of that to the powers that be, but that was interesting. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. onwards. So some of the ideas of the particular um, symbolism on the cards. Go for it. Yeah. Well, so as you may or may not be aware, the Fool is uh, a card with a, a young person, and it's often a young man, but sometimes gender is fluid or different depending on the artwork. And they are walking ahead with they're looking upwards. Often they have a, a stick with a, a sack on it, over, slung over their shoulder. 
there is a, often a dog either jumping up onto them or somewhere near their feet, and there is often mountains in the background. Uh, and there is a there's a lot like uh, looking at that artwork. There's a lot that it seems super obvious. Like he's called the fool, and it almost seems like he's kind of running away from home. At least that's always the the energetic I've picked up on first when I look at the card. Um, but there's there's more to it than that. Uh, and and often there is a, I'm missing a piece. There's a white rose often in his hand. Uh, and at least in the major arcana, it's really, if you're using a traditional Rider Waite Smith type deck, it's good to pay attention to color uh, and flower. The, if there are flowers or fruits or other pieces of um, um, nature, because they often mm-hmm. have deeper symbolism. For example, the white rose is supposed to represent purity and innocence. Mm-hmm. Um and that he's carrying a knapsack or a, you know, I can't remember what those things are called, but it's a, it's a little bundle it's a wall of stuff. Yeah. 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 And on a stick over his shoulder. And those, uh, that, the story is that those possess his, uh, that contains all of his worldly possessions. So he doesn't have very much. So we would assume he's either very young or just starting out on an adventure or is planning to be on an adventure for quite a long time and isn't like taking his bed with him, for example. Right. Or he's a quite right. minimalist and doesn't, doesn't desire a lot of things. So, you know, it's these little um, subtle extra things, these smaller symbols in the card that are interesting to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And um, um, there's a lot of Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to chime in about the dog real quick, and then there's lots, there's lots yeah. more. But the dog is often white, which is, again, a symbol of mm-hmm. purity and innocence, uh, which is a lot of the symbolism of this card in general. But the, the dog is a loyalty and protection and an ally. Um, mm-hmm. So we have, you know, all of these things that feed into the greater story. And there's more. I'll be quiet, so... Or there, so you know, you can talk because I'll oh, well. just keep talking. We can, yeah. Well, we both will, and then they'll know that they will go. What did they say? You know, because we get so excited. Um, and it's interesting because I know that there are different cards with different animals, and the dog is a domesticated animal, so it's loyal, it's faithful, it's um, a step away from the wild. Even though he is off on a mountaintop walking. You know, he has the the energy of this spirit animal or, or familiar that guides him and, you know, depends on some. They have it running in front. Sometimes he's nipping at his heels to remind him, yeah. you know, of that particular nature. And the knapsack is either contains all his magical tools, you know, depending on all the things that he will need or all of the, which then gets translated into a little bit more esoteric, is all the experiences that this being brings with him or her uh, into this lifetime. So it's, this is the, the moment of going from the unmanifested to the manifested point of reference. He is that transition place. And um, mm-hmm. I found it interesting going back over this is like, oh, oh, yeah. Because, you know, you and I both use different decks than these particular yeah. ones that we're talking about. 
And so as we, as you said, the symbology gets shifted a bit. Um, and so I think for all of us, you know, there's a there's an element of continuity, but then there is this other part, and that means that it's more prevalent for what we're doing, both ourselves and what we're experiencing to help others, if we're using it as a tool to help others. Um, so I, right. I, you know, I'm not a purist uh, by a long shot. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of this. So. Yeah. But, yeah, um, and so. you know the if you think back to some of the older symbolism, like these older decks before the Rider Waite Smith became sort of the brand standard, the fool was the beggar or the the um, the person who had fallen on hard times. Right. So, one of the modern concepts is that the you know the fool is walking on the edge of a cliffside. He's walking on kind of a dangerous ground, and that's often. Like leap, I look at the the fool card as leaping and trusting that the net's going to catch you. It's time to take the risk. It's time to go on the adventure. But mm-hmm. if the adventure goes wrong, if the adventure goes haywire, then it could end up being the older meaning of the card, where you're a little bit bruised and your clothes are haggard and ripped up, and and you haven't done right. so well on the adventure. But this is before the decision is made. This is just the first steps of the journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just being willing to go and have faith and trust and, and set out on the new path. Right, right. And um, along with the different things, there's always you know, one thing that I, was, that I learned is each one of these cards is either a planet or the zodiacal sign, meaning it ha- that's one of its meanings. It's, it's kind of assigned that, and the fool is Uranus. Which you know, for the mm-hmm. most part, this is a card of the the wanderer, the the rebel, the the rule breaker. And so, if you think about the old beggars or the old jesters or the the yeah. joker, they were the rule breakers, and they they were not part of the norm. And you know, taking a leap of faith and following what may be your path that isn't common makes you a fool, makes you um, right. someone who can be outside the the uh, structure of our, you know, the norm, and thus a beggar. But, you know, right. uh, not disavowing the, the fact that there are things that can create your loss and hardship um, by mm-hmm. taking a, a, a chance. But interesting enough, um, this card has always been one that challenges me when I see mm-hmm. it, when I read it, and when I'm talking to people, you know, as a reader, but also just personally. Um, because, yes, that, that moment of, of taking off versus I think I'll take the trail that's closer to the mountain rather than the one that's on the edge, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, but... Uh, I find it it um, it reminds me of where my original energy came from. You know, it's kind of like, oh yeah, okay, stop being so attached to your to the physical all the time. You know, take a take a jump. Right. Right. So um, yeah, but I know. Yeah, and the the coloring of the. Uh, um, the Smith artwork is also really interesting because, again, 
in this system, all of the coloring means something. It all, in the mm-hmm. right of weight design, the colors have very specific meanings. So there's a lot of, even though it's a, it's a very vibrant image and the, the fool is wearing very colorful tunic and there's red and gold and um, green in the, in the tunic that he's wearing, the mountains in the background are very white. The sun is very white. The dog is white. There's a lot of symbolism around innocence in this card. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, so the fool, even the word the fool, like I know what you're saying when, when doing readings on this card come up, comes up, people are sometimes have feelings about the fool, like it's a mistake or they're going to look stupid, but it's not the, a mistake or looking stupid. It's a, f- a fool in the most innocent sense. Like you don't know what you don't know. You're going mm-hmm. on the adventure and, and not and having faith in that. And all you have is your innocence and the small amount of skills that or tools that you've put in your rucksack and you have this one ally. And I've heard, like, I've heard Catherine Ironwood actually do readings where this card comes up and she says, and the little dog is warning you, bark, 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 don't jump over the cliff, don't go over the cliff. And I, I get that. I get that meaning. And I know that's a very traditional way of looking at this card and what the meaning of the little dog is. But I always feel like the little dog is like, I got you. I'm your ally. We're on this journey together. Check me out. I'm going to watch mm-hmm. out for you, and I know you're going to watch out for me. You know, it's like don't go on the journey. Don't take the the first steps of this new adventure without taking your rucksack of tools and your allies. Mm-hmm. And interesting because I'm actually looking at the colored version of the, um, the fool in the rider deck, and the little dog, yeah. his foot or its foot and leg is – Thought is over. I mean, I'm sure that you know depth perception isn't here, but in the picture, he's got his right front foot over the. Um, it looks like the the right or the left. I think it's the left yeah. foot that is back. And you know, if you think about right and left, and and you know, masculine, feminine is that you know the. Mm-hmm. The dog has the uh, energy to keep the other energy of that, you know, of the feminine or the the moment of things grounded. They're, they they yeah. can, you know, like a grounding. I feel like the, you know, looking at it makes me think that it's funny. I haven't thought about that in God forever. Um, yeah, but it, it it is interesting and the colors, you know, and again, then they change them in different decks. I mean, you know, Hanson Roberts has the fool that with a red tunic, still the white rose, still mm-hmm. the, the staff on over the shoulder with the, you know, the the rod or the wand, whatever you're going to call it. But he also uses the, the blue, and, and it changes, you know, in terms of that. So it's kind of mm-hmm. you know, which, which one? You know, I want to ask those artists, like, is that just personal preference that you just like blue better? Or is there, mm-hmm. in your version of this card, is there a deeper meaning, you know? Right, right. And, of course, the older ones, you know, that, that are more, as you say, the the fool, the the, the vagabond, you know, the, the wanderer, they kind of, mm-hmm. you know, they have 
that, and of course, in in um, believe it or not, in the Golden Dawn deck, it's a young child. Yeah. I mean, not even a a a youth, but a child with totally naked, with a, what looks like more of a wolf than a dog, and it's black and not white. So you know, mm. you kind of got a, a different. There are different depictions, but it's also, I believe the symbology of that belief system or that tradition taking hold, just like OTO, you know. I mean, yeah. those cards yeah. are much different. The soft deck are much different than, you know, mm-hmm. even what we're talking about with the rider deck. So, Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So, But when you do get the symbol of it and you do know the general, the, the feel of the card, I think then you can utilize the symbology that is it's it's a deck that you have been drawn to and you feel comfortable with and and you know essence speaks to you then you know you work with that those uh symbols and draw out the meaning I believe that's when cause I personally believe that you can learn everything you can about a tarot card but there's a time when it talks to you and yeah. I think that's what we we forget. We we don't listen. We try to figure out the intellectual side. And in this card, it's saying, "No, don't go there. Just see what it feels like." Right. Right. So, right. And reminds you at the beginning yeah. of it, and you know, so feel the tarot, feel these things, as well as you know, go intellectual, but feel them. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, we've done a whole show about. Tarot and, and reading the cards and whatnot, and and as we go through this series, we're likely to hit upon some of these concepts over and over again because mm-hmm. it it does bear repeating, especially if you're just learning or you're new to this whole thing. But the cards also, you know, they stand alone, obviously. And if you're looking for a very simple yes or no, you know, boom, here's your answer. You can pull one card, but there's also nuance, and when you pull multiple cards they work together and influence each other and it subtly shifts the meaning. So if you pull Mm -hmm. the fool and it's followed up with, I don't know, the three of swords, for example, that could be like, Ooh, this adventure might not be one you want to take. It looks like there's heartache involved in this where Mm -hmm. if it's followed up with the six of wands, it might be like, Hey, you're going to be successful. Go for it. You know? So it's also, you have to look at the the bigger picture and what else is coming through in the message before you make any decisions, you know? Yeah. Right. Interesting is that um, kind of going off a little bit on some of the more, the, the, the uh, different aspects of meaning off of, away from the pictorial point of reference is that in, the um, the Hebrew alphabet, the actual equivalent right. of A, this is Aleph, A-L-E-P-H mm-hmm. is how we spell it, but then it is technically A-L-P because they drop off the, con- the uh, vowels, and it means bull or ox. And so mm-hmm. it, you know, has, um, and you will relate, it's, it's, you know, a Torian point of reference as well, but you know, oxes were not only animals that pulled um, plows and things, but they were also an energy, a creative force. And, you know, it was part of the the wealth 
of a civilization, you know, in terms of that. So, um, and it also has the vital principle of ruach, which is breath, which this is the air, this is actually life breath of the air, air. And so mm-hmm. um, I'll let you jump off on that because I just, I realized, you know, we're getting close to our time and there were some symbolic, you know, some of the more esoteric reference points that need to be brought up other than, hi, this has a divinatory meaning of, you know, you're a dreamer or a mystic or, you know, if you want to accomplish a great goal, be careful you don't, you know, bite off more than you chew kind of a thing. So, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, say more, though. What do you mean by esoteric meaning? Beyond what we see. So there's, there's um, like, uh, principles. Uh, each of these cards has principles behind it. Now, as I said, I learned more of the 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 uh, build of the atom, which actually was more of the golden dawn aspect, which mm-hmm. you know filtered down into this. Uh, so for me, it represents you know a certain aspect of life breath, and you know they talk about these fiery or scintillating intelligence. It's a mode of consciousness mm. assigned to this particular card, i.e. Aleph breath, and, you know, mm-hmm. keeps the fire alight in our bodies. The breath keeps that fire going. So it's actually um, the energy that is working here is a power of consciousness which plays upon energy which directs manifestation from within. So the inherent aspect of directing consciousness into this electromagnetic constitution of making matter. So that's why it became scintillating intelligence. And so they always had, like, certain things that it meant below, that that was underneath, behind, or, you know, I don't want to say above, but, you know, it's there's the front fascia, and then there's something behind that. And, of course, you know, so it was it was that. And, of course, they always have, like I said, Uranus, but then they also have the yellow. Mm-hmm. Or it has a lot of yellow in it. And yes. so colors, yeah. they have a certain tone and a certain aspect. And um, I think the tone that they gave for at least in terms of where I get the E, E natural. So toning when you do, mm. um, you see the card, you know. So it was more of a, like, a meditative tool, a spiritual tool to get you to another state of consciousness is how a mm-hmm. lot of the information that I'm sort of chewing out right now was part of. It's not something you're going to, yeah. you know, as a reader, you're going to start talking about scintillating intelligence and that, but if I get this card, <laughs> obviously I might tell people to breathe more, you know, <laughs> in yeah. terms of just take deep breaths, you know, stop taking the shallow breath, that kind of a thing for a, yeah. a different way. But, yeah, so that that kind of yeah. and I mean you could go into a lot of detail here about all the little different things, but I think those aspects that I touched on are are important because they're taking the beyond the scenes concepts and taking them into a deeper way of of working with the card, not just seeing it, but working mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that you said something really interesting there about, you know, when you're doing a reading, you might not go into some of these, like, specific esoteric messages that 
that's more about personal development. And that's another way of looking at the fool and the major arcana and the tarot in general is that there is, a, you, you read these cards and you get messages and it's a system of divination to sort of help you make decisions really is how I look at it. It, it brings clarity and helps make decisions. But there's mm-hmm. also a spiritual path here, and the fool is the beginning of that spiritual path and, and stepping onto it. And, you know, the other – to get further into sort of the, the Golden Dawn and Wicca and all of that, looking at the fool as the first card connected to mm-hmm. air, which is connected mm-hmm. to the east, and often, you know, mountain sides and cliff sides and things like that are some of the imagery that's used when we look at air – uh, yellow mm-hmm. and white are things are the colors we bring up when we're talking about air in these more mm-hmm. um, Wiccan-based systems of practicing, and right. so there is this way of deepening your own personal magical practice using the Fool as the entryway into the elements, and an entryway mm-hmm. into creating sacred space, and an entryway into magic. Right, he's, he's the beginning right. of it all. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. interesting is one of the things that I want to say is the fool is not only he, it, because it is both a she, she kind of process, is every one of the cards that mm-hmm. being becomes every one of those cards. So that's why there is no particular gender, truthfully, in the fool specifically. Yes. Yeah. Because it will become the magician, which is male. It will become the high priestess, which is female. It will become the the empress, the emperor. You know, meaning it goes back and forth in manifestation to experience these different things, which as we get down the line and talk more about them, we'll have more concrete things about the here and now process. Yeah, right. Right. And, um, oh man, I had, I was so excited by what you were just saying and I had something to add. And then as soon as I opened my mouth to say it, it's gone. (laughs) Oh dear. I'm sorry. I really wanted to hear it. (laughs) No worries. If if it comes through, it'll, it'll come back again. You know, it it will, we'll probably talk about the magician here and go, by the way, this is what I wanted to say about the fool. See? (laughs) Yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah. so it, it's, um, it's exciting, you know, the, it's exciting when I look at these cards again, and it's giving me a chance, I think I'm really enjoying, because what it's doing is it's giving me a chance to reacquaint myself with aspects that I have put aside, because, you know, in our daily life, when we do readings, we're working on people with help, and they need this, and they need that, and we don't get mm-hmm. into the deeper part and maybe we remember right. somewhere like back of our head but we don't we aren't delivering it because it's not part of what this person needs or asks for and sometimes we're lucky enough right. to have a client who does and then you just kind of go oh boy and you just go belch 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 everything else <laughs> you know yeah 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 so. I feel like if this you know if you're coming to me for a reading and you're you're looking at getting information on, on the situation or, or circumstances in your life, then the fool it shows up one way. But if you're looking to learn about the tarot and you want to start reading and this is your own part of your own spiritual journey, then we can expand and go so much deeper. We could spend a whole hour 
just digging into, well, as we have, just digging into this one card (laughs) and how it it might show up in your own personal practice and and ways to work with this energy. So I feel like, you know, this is the Fool is a good entryway card into a slew of different magical practices and systems and concepts. It's, um, you know, it's the beginning. Yeah. Mhm, mhm. And I, I really, and a, a, a sort of a side note is one of the things that um, I wanted to share that's kind of off topic of the fool and what we're talking about, but part of what this year is, which kind of goes back to where we were talking about the reading. Um, there is a gentleman, and I had said I would give you the name, so I'll give it to you now. But it's G A H L Gall and then initial E, Sassoon, S-A-S-S-O-N. And his book mm-hmm. is The Astrology of 2020, Leap of Faith, The Dawning of a New World. And he talks a lot about the fool as part of what is the iconography for this year in terms of all the conjunctions, eclipses, all the different astrological things that he is talking about. But he also puts a lot of information of the tarot in his in this book, and um, I highly recommend it. Uh, it gives you a better feel for what this year is like and what is going on. He even talks about trends of what happened when we had these eclipses before, and what was going on for you know four years. Was it was it was 20, 20 years, ten years. It was he he has it there, and I'm I'm. I'm talking about something else, my mind is there. But he puts, you know, and it is true, going back, if you follow it, there's some even, when I say there were epidemics and we are in the middle of the coronavirus, quote, we don't know if it's a pandemic, unquote, or whatever it is, but it, mm-hmm. it's kind of like it shows that. So, but again, the leap of faith and the fool, that's what this year is, yeah. 2020. And yeah glad we started this series because I think after picking this book up and having made the decision and we were like going I'm like oh look at the connection right absolutely yeah Yeah. good stuff so there we are that's probably all we can talk about (laughs) we're just about at our time limit no kidding no I'm going to have to really bust ass and tell you I will need to know what you thought that you couldn't. So even if you remember it in the middle of oh, the I know. you know, because okay, those things well, really, yeah. I know they bug me a lot <laughs> when I hit them. And it's like, and then I will remember just in the middle of somewhere and I have to write it down because then again, it will fleetingly go away. Oh um, yeah. And that's Absolutely. not age, but that's it. But yes. Yeah, so next week we will be a pre-record on a, uh, show that we did when we were at PantheaCon yes. for that particular no, we're doing the uh, night. Retrograde show. Oh, we are. Okay, yeah, we're, we're doing the Mercury, the Mercury retrograde, retrograde show. show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Mercury <laughs> retrograde is coming. So we no thought kidding. we'd give you all some information on how to navigate it more smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> and we've already started because Elvira just lost her train of thought and went on to. Something else, a Mercury <laughs> retrograde moment. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Uh, well, it does. It does. Well, I have had a lot of fun with this, and I really enjoy, you know, taking this new series and, and moving forward. And 
do you have any words of wisdom to drop upon our people or, or the people out there that, um, cause I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, this was uh, fun. And it, I always love talking about, you know, the nerdy depths of things like this. So I look forward to exploring more and, and in the meantime, have a nice weekend. And if you're coming to PantheaCon, come and say hi. I will be, Milk and Honey will be vending. Um, the Witches Next Door, which is a blog that I write with my partner, Guion, we are hosting a hospitality suite um, in Suite 966, and we're going to have lots of, of, of events. We're doing a big Dionysian revel on Saturday night, and we're going to have lots of workshops. So please do say hello if you are at PECON. Oh, wonderful. Well, I won't, but my spirit will be with you. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, the next one. Yes. No. Okay. Well, everyone, we'll see you on the radio in two weeks. Yes. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Weon Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be.